From Gimlet Media, this is The Nod. I'm Eric Eddings. And I am Brittany Luce. So, everyone, Eric and I, we just got back from Austin where we ate some barbecue. We sang some karaoke. Eric sang Dixie Chicks, just for the record. And we also did a live show from South by Southwest. Yes. Shout out Sam's Barbecue. Great black-owned restaurant in East Austin. Yes. And shout out to our hilarious guests who joined us for a little game you may have heard us play on this show before. A game which we are going to share with you right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Nod Live from South by Southwest. So let's introduce our first guest a journalist and staff writer for Grownish. Give it up for Grownish. I better shout out Freeform. Yeah. Shout out Freeform. You may have also heard her on another wonderful podcast, Keep It. Please help me welcome Kara Brown. Hey, guys. <laughs> welcome, Kara. Thank you. So our second guest today is the special projects editor at The Outline and also is the host of their daily podcast, The Outline World Dispatch. It is super good. You guys should listen to it. It comes out every day. Please welcome to the stage, Aaron Edwards. Oh, my God. Hi. <laughs> okay, Kara. So let's just get right to it. Let's get to it. Okay, so you've done a lot of really wonderful work. Obviously, Gronish is amazing. Thank and you. also, you recently wrote the cover story for The Fader about SZA. I did. But I want to ask you about a project that you work on that is near and dear to my heart. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, you have this phenomenal website called FancyPastaBitch.com. I do. I do. <laughs> so please tell us about it. Uh, I got into making homemade pasta about a year ago. One night, I was making pasta. And when I make pasta, I like to enjoy a glass or a bottle of wine. And I was like making my pasta and I'm drinking my wine. I was like, I am so good at this. This is delicious. Can you believe that I made this? Look at this fancy ass pasta. And I was like, I did an Instagram story and I was like, fancy pasta bitch. And then my friend DM'd me and was like, here, buy that URL. And because I was drunk, I did. Um, you know, URLs are only like $15 on Google. Uh, yeah. So I bought the URL the next morning. I was like, oh, look at that. Oh, I bought that URL. Um, and then I started blogging my pasta making. And people seem to people seem to like it. Well, you know what? I think for me it's inspirational. I always felt like I was just telling I was just telling Eric this morning. I was like, I always wanted to make homemade pasta, but then I read Fancy Pasta Bitch, which is highbrow and relatable at the same oh, time. Thank you. It made me feel like I could do it too. Thank you. <laughs> Hashtag. Hashtag highbrow and relatable. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, Aaron, late last year, you published a piece that put together different people's thoughts and experiences with aunties. I did. I know my aunties are great, but what made you decide to highlight the auntie in such a thoughtful way? Well, Eric, um, <laughs> no, I, I've been thinking about aunties for a long time, and I think that it's become such a, they have become so ubiquitous when we talk about black culture and families. You talk about like the auntie who lets you drink wine at Thanksgiving or the auntie Shout who's out. like always scolding you, like Shout out. in proxy to your mother. <laughs> and it was it's always been a part of the conversation. And I think a part of stories that I really love to tell are stories that tap into a commonality between people. You know, the stories that we highlighted in that project were specifically written by mostly black and brown people, but I think it is still something that is accessible to a lot of people. Um, but I love aunties and I, I wanted to like do a, a nice homage to why they're so important to us. Yeah. Well, it was beautiful. 
Yeah, round of applause for aunties, though. Yes. If you got an auntie that you love. So now that everyone has met you both, I think it's time to get into a little segment that we like to call Good for the Blacks. so corny but it never gets old it never gets old (laughs) never gets old so i think we've all been in the position where at some point we're faced with an awkward thing that is like somehow related to black people you know like there's a time where people will come up to you and ask you hey how do you feel about the new rachel dolezal documentary that's airing on netflix and you groan and sigh or it's like if an acquaintance asks you you know, why DeRay wore his famous Patagonia vest over a tuxedo at the Vanity Fair Oscar party? Then you have to figure out, you know, what's my position on this fashion? I don't know. But in these moments, we're often forced to quickly decide, is this phenomenon actually good or bad for Black folks? That is where we come in. With Good for the Blacks, we basically break these phenomena down to brass tacks. We give you the official word with some official Black people. You're welcome. (laughs) So today we are going to dive into one of the biggest blockbusters to be released by Marvel Studios. That is Black Panther. Give it up for Black. I was going to say, I know y'all have seen it. There's enough brown faces in the room. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, I'm really sorry. This conversation is going to contain light spoilers, but you had your chance. It's been a month. So it is what it is, man. People give out spoilers every day, B. So, Aaron and Kara, I have it on good authority you've seen the film. Three times. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've seen it I'm once. blacker than all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, today we are going to discuss one character in particular who has electrified, in some cases, and divided, in some cases, audiences all over the globe. That character is Eric Killmonger... Played in the film by Michael B. Jordan. So, (laughs) I'm pretty sure I actually did not select this photo. I I selected this photo. (laughs) For those of you who may be listening at home, Michael B. Jordan, 2018 Michael B. Jordan, shirtless. Okay. Full Killmonger. You can live your truth. I am living my truth. (laughs) Uh, But I had chosen another picture to to highlight Michael B. Jordan. There we go. Okay, this is more in the film. This is more in line with who he is. You got a uniform on. It is what it is. (laughs) Okay, so for the folks who might not know, Black Panther chronicles the journey of T'Challa, who is the warrior prince of the fictional African nation of Wakanda. But T'Challa's reign comes under attack from a one Eric Killmonger a man of mysterious origin, who has a plan for Wakanda's most valuable resource, the precious metal, vibranium. So Wakanda basically has used vibranium to advance their own technology, their medicine, their resources, way far beyond the rest of the world. Like, Wakanda is gorgeous. <laughs> and basically what Killmonger wants, and this, is, this part is actually like the wildest part, um, he wants to use this technology to arm black people all over the world to overthrow their white oppressors, and reclaim the world that was stolen from them. He is absolutely the intended villain of the film, but he has these complex, some might say noble motivations, and he has this heartbreaking backstory. And those things also make for a compelling hero. It's almost like he's such a rich and layered character that he deserves an intense and nuanced conversation. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? Who would have thought? So today we are going to determine if Eric Killmonger, the controversial leader of Wakanda is good 
or bad for the blacks. So we're going to dig into the pros and the cons of, of Eric Killmonger. And I will kick us off with a pro. So I can honestly say that like never in my wildest dreams did I ever think that like Marvel, let alone Disney, would create a film where like the essential debate is actually not whether we fight white supremacy, but how we fight white supremacy. I personally think Eric Killmonger being the conduit for that is a pro, like a hard pro. It's it's wild. Just thinking about all the people who had to, like all the white folks who had to look at the script. You know, flipping through that, page 20, like a white guy talks and black folks bark him down. And then like 20 pages later, like they are literally trying to kick off the race war. This was the plot. Like it wasn't subtext. It wasn't subtext at all. Kara, what about you? I've always said like one of the things about diversity like in Hollywood, which, but um, is that like, we've seen every type of white man. We've seen all of their experiences. You've seen good white men and bad white men and complicated white men and white men with money. And with that, like you've seen, you understand like the humanity of these people because you've seen the entire spectrum of who they can be and what they're capable of. And so having a black villain that is actually really interesting and nuanced and layered where you're not quite sure you could fall either way. And just the idea of like a black person on screen can be that complicated. We don't have many of those. Whether or not you like him or not, just being able to like have that debate is so cool. So I actually have two pros. So first of all, something that I appreciated about Killmonger is like he had a view of blackness that was outside of Wakanda. He was kind of like a pan-Africanist in a way. I mostly appreciate the fact that he had a goal for Wakanda's future that like also was connected to the rest of the diaspora. Like he wasn't, he wasn't like seduced by the relative comfort and ease that like Wakandans enjoyed in their life. He wanted freedom and independence for all black people. And I just thought that that was such an impressive, I thought it was like an impressive thing for the film to do, like to your point, Eric. But also it was just like an impressive trait in a person, period. And my second pro, because I did say I had two pros. Um, can we go back to the other photo? <laughs> um, I thought this was actually the most pivotal plot point in the film, is that he takes off his shirt repeatedly, and there's this one part in the movie where he has, I don't want to give too much away, but he has on like a really beautiful kind of, not a choker, but like a real statement chest piece. And then like a cashmere knit. Like the knits in Wakanda were fucking next level. And I was just like... I don't understand why men, like, wear shirts under their sweaters. Like, why don't they just be avant-garde and wear, like, a gold chest plate and, like, a cardigan and, like, call it a day? I mean, let me tell you about the way sweat works. (laughs) Aaron, what are your pros? One thing that stood out to me, and this is maybe not really a testament to the character itself as much as the conceptualization of the film itself, I was so moved by the sound design around his character. I think that up until the point that you see Eric Killmonger on screen for the first time, a lot of the music that you hear is like very lush and very beautiful. It gives you a sense of place. It gives you a sense of vastness to it. And you're kind of waiting for like a trap beat to come in. And he is like (laughs) the first character that you hear that. It's just like, ah, oh, shit, like, it's about to go down. And it's just this, like, calling card, I think, whenever you see him on screen, that you just immediately know what he's about. I really enjoyed just what Ryan was able to do around his character, just, like, completely creating a full person through the sound design, through his 
his look, through the way he moved, through the space. So I think a pro for him is just the fact that he is one of the most fully formed characters that I've seen in like any movie in a minute, like regardless of like superhero genre or whatever. I think we forget often when we see movies like Black Panther or just movies that are branded as superhero films, we don't realize when we're actually seeing a very good presentation of a character in those contexts because all of it's coming at us so quickly. I think Eric is kind of in that same space for me. Like his whole presentation of his character is just so well done. No, that's a great point. Like usually like in superhero movies, you know, they all kind of have their moments. Like when like Iron Man will land in like a three-point stance. Right, like, right. It makes no sense because he doesn't play football. But, you know, like, <laughs> like they have all these little moments that are just meant for like flair and pizzazz to like kind of shape the world around that character. And like with Killmonger, it's like, like everything is good. <laughs> like they paid attention to everything. When he was in that museum with those drop crop pants. Oh, and, and those little glasses. glasses. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I buy this. I believe every bit of this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, I felt like Homegirl who was following him around in the first couple scenes. I was like, that could be me. I could get caught up in the game. We don't know. And then he will give your ass up in a hot second. Didn't even think about it. It was like, oh, this bitch got to go. I think that actually might be a good transition to our cons. So... My kind of Eric Killmonger is that, like, for all his professed love for black people, like, <laughs> homie was very willing to murder a bunch of them. Like, <laughs> to quote one of our colleagues back home, like, we asked him, like, oh, what'd you think of Killmonger? He was like, oh, he was really dope. He was really dope. He killed niggas, though. <laughs> like, you know, it just, like, take, you just take a step back. And it's like, wait, the thing that you were professing to actually fight against, you're using that. And that, for me, felt like a bit much. There's like a good Audre Lorde quote. like, you know, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. And like, that was one of the things like ultimately, and mind you, he is the villain in this scenario. But like, it just felt like, it was like, bro, you can't see that. You, you're killing everybody, though. And women. Like, two black yeah. women. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Right. He was abusing, yes. like, everyone. And, you know, he, he just couldn't see past his own thing. But I think that's, a, that's something that, like, a lot of people who sympathize with Killmonger, and there are a surprising amount of folks who are like, yo, Killmonger didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> you know? I mean, just like, look at the Twitter names alone. Everybody's changed their name. I, I mean, like, I've seen a thousand Britney Killmongers. Yeah, it was, it was wild. It's like, like, he gonna do right by you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think be- that to, I think to work off that, this is kind of like a pro-slash-con in that same vein, though, is that change does not come to Wakanda without him, though. Mm. And his character really forces us to question, will we ever see change at that scale without loss? And that's, like, a very dark thing to have to reconcile with. His whole MO, like, you know, he presents it as black liberation. He presents it as giving people the tools to then decide on their own volition what world they want to live in. It's like, let's give them vibranium, give them weapons, let them lead their own revolutions. But at the same time, his idea at the very core of it is that he still is going to rule all of this chaos. He wants black liberation and he wants this open, free world where, you know, they are fighting against their oppressors. But ultimately, he also still wants an empire where he sits at the top of it. That's like a little bit iffy. It's not exactly a on little message. iffy. It's not exactly on message. It's not it's not the really the sun will wants. never set on Wakanda, homie. What? No. <laughs> Come on, man. That's not what Sterling wanted. <laughs> Ooh, by the way, can I just say, 
Sterling K. Brown to me has always been like the nerd in the movies. Yeah. In Oakland, Sterling K. Brown, though, yeah. let me tell you. I was like, they put a chain on him, and I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, Oakland, Sterling forever. Well, that reminds me of this time I was driving down, I don't know, maybe Fulton Avenue in Brooklyn, and I was with my boyfriend in an Uber, and we pulled up next to one of these, I don't know the name of the car, it's really expensive, and it has the galaxy roof on the inside, yeah. and there was a dude in the car next to us, and he was really cute, and he had the do-rag on, and he had the, the galaxy top. He didn't look like he was going nowhere good. But I saw the car, and I was like... Should I get out of this car that I'm in my boyfriend? Get out of this other guy? And that's how I felt when I saw Sterling, Sterling K. Brown. Sterling kind of looked like he still kind of looked like a professor at he like did, though. like cosplaying <laughs> as someone in the hood. Okay, we're, we're not here to talk about Sterling, but I just wanted to. Yeah, sorry for that tangent. That I just yeah, yeah. need to get that out. So actually, I have a con. I felt like the film was directing us to like focus on either Killmonger or Black Panther, T'Challa, when it's clear at several major points in the film that the women of Wakanda were like more than qualified to like take over the country to be Black Panther. So like my thought is Killmonger is this very interesting and like complex person with these interesting and complex motivations, but he's still posited as one of the only two choices for the hero in the story. And like, okay, so that's not like not, it's not Killmonger's fault, but like that dynamic, it kind of reminded me of, like, dynamics of a lot of real-life anti-oppression and political movements. You have, like, the conflicted do-gooder man, and then you have the complicated bad guy man. I like the idea of Killmonger's character, but, like, I kept wondering, like, what would it be like to have a narrative where it doesn't just come down to those same two archetypes? Those guys, those leaders, usually take precedence over, like, really capable and smart, badass women. Like Okoye, who was like played by Denai Guerrero, who is like the um, the general of the Dora Milaje, who were like basically like the baddest army in Wakanda. They were just like so amazing. They were like the king's guards. And then you have Nakia, who's played by Lupita Nyong'o, who's like this undercover spy, like operating out in the world, just on her shit, who has this really nuanced understanding of what the world is like for black people outside of Wakanda. And also she's like the shit in Wakanda. And they're both so fine. Do you know what I'm saying? Those arms. Hello? Like, I was like, what is that workout routine? Those spears, that's what it is. <laughs> that's all the spears. But, like, they were both really, they were dedicated leaders, and they obviously had, like, like the right intentions. They had good spirits, and they had values. So, like, I'm just, I, it's like, Killmonger was really interesting, and I really, like, loved digging into his backstory and his motivations. But also, I left the film thinking, like, okay, so, like, why not, like, Okoye or Nakia or even in 10 years, Shuri? Like, why not any of them? Well, it's also like, of course, the dude is like, you know how we fix all this? More weapons. That's going to solve the problem. Like, of course, some dude is like, just bring them bigger guns. That'll solve everything. Because we've seen that's always what fixes things, right? It's almost like it's mirroring what's happening on Earth all the time. (laughs) Also, like, when you pay attention, like, the only reason this turned out well is because of the women in the movie. Like, this goes so poorly without all of the women in this story. And to me, that was like, if you're paying attention... That felt very clear to me that, like, we'd all be out here in, like, vibranium Westworld if, uh, if, <laughs> if they hadn't all stepped up and done their jobs. I will say one other thing is that um, we could, cannot forget that Killmonger is also kind of a stand-in for, like, the U.S. state still. Yes. Um, you know, Killmonger is still someone who is a product of the U.S. military complex. He's still someone who is a product of the way that the U.S. treats black men and black women. But one line that really struck me about him where it kind of really took me back 
to the core of his character is when the CIA agent, I think someone in the scene says like, oh, is he Wakandan or whatever? And he's like, no, he's like one of ours. And that like kind of really drove home the point to me that like Killmonger, yes, at the core, he's like this black dude, African-American. He like wants so much for like his, like quote unquote, his people. But at the end of the day, like he has still gone through enough of the rings of like just the US system that he is at the end of the day still like gonna use those same tactics. A con for me for him is that no matter how you know revolutionary he wants to present himself as, and no matter how much he wants to say he's like actually this like liberated figure, he has been like through tours in Afghanistan and in Iraq. He has lived in poverty. He is a complete product of all those systems. That is also presented really well in the film. I think it's clear that he is also kind of doing a self-interrogation of his own motives and trying to figure out like who he's actually like fucking with. And I think that it's it's very muddled. So we can't take everything he says at face value as a purely liberated person who's coming in and trying to just, you know, take control of this power. He's still, you know, kind of a an agent of the state in so many ways. I will say Killmonger like just took for granted like how many people were really going to go along with this. You know, like he was sending out weapons like all over the world. And I got some real hard cousins down in Louisiana. But if you were like, hey, so I got these futuristic weapons and what I want you to do is take them and we're going to overthrow white people. They would be like, hmm, you know, I've done some reckless shit, but uh, I don't know that I'm ready for this, dog. Like, instructions? How do they know how to... Did they come with a manual? Wait, you never heard of vibranium. Like, you can't just send metal to people and just expect them to know what the fuck to do with it. Well, they had, like... I think the other... They had, like, spies. So they're like, we have spies all around the world. And then the spies are gonna train all the black people. I mean, I feel like if someone knocked on my door... I mean, I'm shutting that rope. I'm like, what? No. I don't answer for Jehovah's Witnesses. I have, I don't think I've ever accepted an issue of the final call. So you really think somebody's going to come to my fucking house to teach me to use a weapon? And then what are we doing? Are we just, is it just like you just kill white people? Yeah. Are we meeting at the spot first? Like, where, like, is there a- I mean, like where, where's, how are we getting together, you know? But the other thing is, and then what if it backfires and then you go to work? And everybody knows that you were the black person who's plotting to overthrow everybody. <laughs> yeah, like somebody starts too early. Like the people, you know, like the people in London didn't get the memo that we were supposed to wait till tomorrow and they start. Imagine like going to work the next day, the revolution has started and like you're late. I know. <laughs> and you're like the one black person in the office and you go into the like conference room and like all your white colleagues are like, so, uh, John, we're going to give you a raise. You're doing a great job. You're doing so well here. And then what if you want to take out people you don't like? I probably know more black people than anybody else. When I think about the people that I don't like, it's probably mostly black people. If I have vibranium, wouldn't I want to take them out first? Right. It's existential. This shit is real life existential. I really like you, Brittany. I'm not going to hang out with you anymore. <laughs> I watch her. Very closely. <laughs> you first. <laughs> right, exactly. So now that we have everyone's pros and cons, it's time to take a final vote. Will the panel vote Killmonger as the king of Wakanda? Or will the power of the Black Panther be stripped away? The exciting conclusion of Good for the Blacks after the break.
So we have these church fans here. Oh, it's Oprah. Kara, this is yours. Oh, great. Oh, that's a great picture there of her. There you go. And on no one side, we have uh, a thumbs up and Oprah. You know, respect for the president. Uh, so this represents good for the blacks. And on the other side, we have oh no, a thumbs down and Stacey Dash. <laughs> if you think that Killmonger ultimately is good for the blacks, you're going to vote Oprah. And if you say Eric Killmonger is bad for the blacks, you are going to vote Stacey Dash. Let's start with you, Aaron. Okay. So I guess as a, as a disclaimer, I very vehemently disagree with Killmonger's politics. I think that his way of going about black liberation is like not the thing to do. And I think that the film is very clear about showing you that it's not the way. But it took a revolutionary and it took a radical to get them to actually move and do some shit. So I'm going to say that Killmonger is good for the blacks. Right. One vote down. I am going to say, I agree with a lot of what Aaron just said, however... I am going to say ultimately that he was bad for the blacks because everything that he did could have been achieved just by listening to Nakia. Mm, there we go. <laughs> Facts. Uh, I also disagree with his <laughs> ultimate plot. We're all just like, no, no, no. We don't agree with that. <laughs> just to, just uh. to get it on record, you know. Uh, but I do think his position within the film and like how he motivated the other characters, like he he basically held a mirror up to this entire country, you know, and said like, hey, you need to integrate how you're approaching existing within the rest of the world. And I think ultimately that was good because it's clear T'Challa was not listening to Nakia at no. the time, you know. Listen uh, to black women. I don't know how many say. times we need to keep telling you people this. <laughs> Serves me well. Uh, but but that said, I do think he was important within that, like, construct. You know, I think it was really important for him to, like, you know, propel this world into this, this space now that is ultimately more beneficial for everyone. So I actually also will say that Killmonger is good for the blacks. God. See, now I feel like, I don't pressure. even know, I feel pressure. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard of this concept called intersectionality. <laughs> but right now I feel like I'm forced to choose between two identities. <laughs> But, hmm. Okay, so I'll say this. So I, like everybody else sitting here today, I don't agree with Killmonger's politics. And I was really intrigued by so many people's takes on Twitter who like changed their name to Killmonger who were just like, Killmonger was right though. And I'm like, are you kidding me? If somebody really dropped this shit out on the streets today, you would be at home hiding under your Ikea comforter. So do not fucking lie to me about this. But... Also, like, recently I watched a bunch of, like, Marvel superhero movies in a row. And Killmonger is one of the best characters in the entire franchise. And I say that not as, like, I'm not, like, a comic book, like, super person. I'm not super into that. But I just thought he was just, like, it's been so long since I've seen a character like that just jump off of the screen and, like, be so fully embodied. And also, on a more important note, I have watched Michael B. Jordan develop over the years. And, like, I... <laughs> It's from a tadpole into this, like, mm. glorious frog. A glorious frog, yeah. Like the kind you see in the rainforest. Um, but yeah, I just never, I never felt it that, I never felt it like that, like for that deep friend. And then it was like, as soon as he came on the screen, I didn't know what the fuck to do with myself. And then when he took his shirt off, it was like, it was so deep. And like, just how I felt. And like, I think that like, by virtue of the fact that he was such an interesting character and also sexy. I'm going to have to say that Killmonger is good for the blacks. 
Wow. Yeah. So that fight me on my reasoning, but it's my truth. <laughs> that means that Eric Killmonger is good for the blacks. So that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you to y'all. And let's also say a big, big thank you to our guests. Let's give it up for Kara Brown and Aaron Edwards. Yes. So really quick, where can we find your work? Well, you can read fancypastabitch.com. <laughs> I was waiting for you to be like, you can find my work on TV. <laughs> you can watch Grownish on Freeform on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. And I'm on Twitter, Kara with a K, Kara R. Brown. I'm there. You can find me on, on Twitter, Instagram. Instagram is the best place to like find me because I like do some... You do some funny you know, stuff. Stupid shit on Instagram yeah. stories. So Aaron M. Edwards on like all the things. Check out The Outline, theoutline.com, and The World Dispatch. You can also hear me there Monday through Thursday. Looked and busy, okay? <laughs> okay. So that has been our show. Yes. Thank you, y'all. Thank you all so much for coming out. Benar is produced by me, Brittany Luce, with Eric Eddings, Kate Parkinson Morgan, and Emmanuel Barry, with production assistance from Wallace Mack. Our senior producer is Sarah Abdurrahman. We are edited by Annie Rose Strasser. Engineering from Cedric Wilson. Fact-checking by Max Gibson. Our theme music and additional music in the show by Khalid B. And y'all, in our newsletter this week, the Black Panther conversation continues. The Nod newsletter comes out every Tuesday morning. And in this installment, we'll be talking about our favorite moments from Black Panther. Go to gimletmedia.com slash newsletter and click on The Nod. And if you've already signed up, why don't you go ahead and forward your favorite newsletter to a friend? Just share some of this Nod goodness with someone you love. It's the best gift 